Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Friday, November 9th, 2021. Hope you're having a great week. Come see stand-up comedy. I'm telling jokes tonight at the Laughing Skull Lounge, Midtown Atlanta. I'm there probably 8, 10.30, maybe just 8. Same thing tomorrow night, Friday and Saturday. Come check out a show. Georgia is... Georgia's open again. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure Georgia ever really closed, but uh, the governor has lifted all restrictions. No condoms necessary. No masks. No distance. We are Florida. That's what I'm saying. There's no. We have no. The country has no leg to stand on when talking down about Florida. We've become Florida. I don't mean that really cynically. Because I think people are getting vaccinated. I don't know what the infection rates are like or new variants, but Georgia is <laughs> fuck the world, <laughs> which has pretty much been the the approach all the way all the way along. This guy Brian Kemp is uh, he's a roller coaster man. He who cares about what politicians do? You know what politicians do. Anyway, I'll be at the Laughing Skull. Friday and Saturday, 9 and 10 of April, and then Limerick Comedy, Virginia Highland, 9 p.m. Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, whatever that is, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, will be about one month, uh, one year and one month since the last Limerick show, and I'm really excited about that, so have a great lineup of comics coming out, please come come to Limerick and support, (laughs) you don't have to wear masks there either. (laughs) <laughs> you can. I'll wear one in between. I'll wear one in between comics. Anyway, good times. <clears throat> you know that sensation when you sleep next to... I'm just going to dive right in because I, I want to talk this idea out. I think being in a comedy club in 2021... 2021. I forgot the year actually moved. Being in a comedy club is like... It's analogous to farting in bed when no one's around. Because there seems to be a... So, like, if you sleep... If you're fortunate enough to share a bed with someone... <laughs> if you sleep next to someone... And you have to fart... There are a couple different ways you play it, right? I don't know what it's like where you sleep, but historically across my sleeping across my sleeping next to someone career, I generally don't let it rip. Just I don't maybe uh that's being uptight, maybe it's being respectful or trying to keep up some some veneer of uh appearances. I guess I'm trying to keep up an appearance. So, but there are a couple different ways you can do it, right? You can, you're like, oh, I really have to fart. And there is someone next to me. I think there's someone next to me. There are times where you're not exactly sure for any number of reasons. Like, wow, I just met that person or I'm still half asleep. Who knows? But you, you have to, your body wants to express itself, but you experience, or at least I have at different times across my sleeping next to someone career experienced a, a voice inside my head and said, you know what, maybe just, maybe just sit on this one. <laughs> try to, try to suppress it. 
to keep up appearances. And I'm sure that the higher stake, the higher the stakes were for the person sleeping for the, for you with the person sleeping next to you, right? Not everyone who sleeps next to you is of equal value to you. Not saying they're not valuable, of course. What I'm saying is you're going to be more bummed. You're going to be less bummed if you let it rip in front of one person than the other, right? You try to impress somebody more than you try to impress somebody else. Just the way the world works. <laughs> so that's how it can go. You can be like, I'm just not, I, I, I want to express myself, but there's this social pressure not to. There also is the occasion where you, where you want to express yourself and then you, you think to yourself, you know what? They're not here. They left. They're in the shower. Uh, they went home or they went to work. And I'm going to let it rip. I'm going to express myself because the social pressure is not there. <laughs> and then lo and behold, you find out, oh, no, they are there. <laughs> you uh, did not do the math correctly. And you may find sometimes sleeping next to someone when you let it rip that they appreciate that you're not that you're secure enough, maybe, or it's all open to interpretation, right? The right person's gonna be like, oh my god, I can't believe you farted, please, and judge you and make you feel terrible about yourself because they're insecure and caught up in their own bodily issues or whatever might be affecting them. But somebody else might be like, you know what? I like the fact that uh, a person just expressing themselves. They have to live. What are we talking about? Everybody farts. I mean, not girls. <laughs> they are some of the worst farters, really, let's be honest. I mean, you, you're around a woman. <laughs> yeah, so you might, some, you might, it might get paid off. Like, you know, I like the fact that they just, they're themselves. They're, that's, that's all you want. You want someone to be themselves express themselves be honest and be true because that makes them what trustworthy they're not hiding anything <laughs> still there is a bit of a i'm not sure people are just like looking for opportunities to let it rip next to someone but i don't i i think we've all had that i don't want to speak for all of us but where you think the person's not there you think that it's it's the two things you want. I, these are the two poles, right? The two polarities, the two poles. One is I want to express myself, and the other is there is a pressure, not a physical gaseous pressure, but a, a pressure about appearances and doing the socially acceptable thing, I guess. Or maybe everybody's like, no, the socially acceptable thing is to let it rip. Yeah, well, I'm saying, I'm trying to present the idea that there's there's complexity in even that that thought about letting it rip. So these two two ideas, expressing yourself and the social pressure. And I think we probably you haven't lived <laughs> until you think no one's around and you let it rip and then you find out, oh boy, nope, they're still there. They're sleep as a matter of fact, they're just sitting there looking at their phone. <laughs> or they're reading a magazine back in the day. Or, you know, crying. Hopefully that's not the case. Is anybody sleeping next to you is crying? But then there's a third situation, a third event where you know they are not around and you know that there is no social pressure, however strong or not strong that socially, that 
keep up appearances pressure is. And you want to express yourself and you're liberated and you just let it rip with no one around. Nobody gets hurt. <laughs> and you're just, it's, it's liberating. You are in that moment perfectly yourself. When you fart without a, th- a care in the world, like an older person <laughs> or a girl, <laughs> when you fart without a thought in the world, that anyone is around, caring, thinking. It's a moment of pure honesty. You're, it's, it's, about as, it's about as pure of an honest moment as you're going to have. There's no deluding. There's no deluding. There's no delauded. <laughs> you take some delauded, you're not even going to be able to fart. You've lost control of your system. You... You're, you're not deluding yourself into thinking anything... You're just, this is it. You're at your your most basic. You're a living, breathing, uh, what's the word? Hydro, I don't know. You're filled with water, and you're a being, and you're going to expel gas, and you don't think twice about it when no one's around. Or you hotbox yourself in the car. You crop dust somebody when you're going through a turnstile. <laughs> Whatever. You just, you're liberated. You're perfectly yourself. It's a true, honest moment. And it feels wonderful. Ah, You're at relief. And I think that's what it's like. I think people need to understand. People, let me, let me, let me do all the man waiting explaining. I think that's the feeling people should have in comedy clubs. Because there are times when people want to laugh. They want to really express themselves. But they might feel a social pressure not to. And that pressure needn't exist, (coughs) excuse me, in a comedy club. Or like, you know, like you're at work and and someone makes a a crude joke and it's, it's hilarious, but it's probably not appropriate to laugh. You can't let it rip in front of your colleagues because then all of a sudden you're going to go in the muck with... (laughs) with the person who said that terrible but hilarious thing at work. But comedy club, it's the no one is around. Because I say that because who really gives a shit about who's sitting next to you and what you're laughing at? And I'm not talking about like your date. That matters. So, (laughs) but then again, if you're suppressing your laughter next to your date, you're not being yourself. And that's, that's not the, that's not a good sign. I don't don't want to say a good sign. I'm not a relationship doctor. Well, you know what? I am a doctor and I'm in a relationship. So I'm the relationship doctor. You should be able to be exactly who you are. That's the goal, right? To be exactly who you are with the person that you care about the most. Until you have a kid. (laughs) Then you care about each other a little bit less. But it's just relative to the care you have for the new, the arrival of the new guest. So if you're suppressing your laughter next to your date in a comedy club, you probably would be happier in a relationship where you didn't feel like you had to do that. (laughs) So date a Klansman, because they don't care what you say. But if you are in 
a comedy club with your date and you're laughing at the same things and you don't feel like you're holding yourself back, A, I think that's great, right? Comedy is a nice uh, value uh, meter, barometer. You know, if you laugh at the same things, if you find humor in similar occasions and situations, then you probably share some value congruence in real life and you're going to enjoy each other. And besides, nothing is better than laughing with someone. Anyway, if you're laughing in a comedy club with someone, or you're by yourself laughing, what I'm trying to say here is, being in a comedy club is, is being able to fart with nobody else being around. Because you are not on trial here. You're not at work you're not in a relationship. You're not even having a one-night stand with these people that are in the room with you. They're essentially, and I would like to be very clear about this, the other people in the comedy club audience. They are essentially like the furniture in the room when you're farting when no one's around. Because they don't have any impact on your life. And you're never going to see them again either. So the social pressure of like even it being at work, that's not there in a comedy club. So, it, 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 you know what? Challenge, challenge yourself to laugh at, at, uh, with liberty, with, with freedom and honesty for yourself. <laughs> I feel like uh, a U.S. flag should be waving behind me as I say that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, who gives a shit what people in the comedy club think is socially acceptable if you think it's funny? Because if you're not laughing because someone next to you, you feel a pressure from someone else, that pressure, I'm, what I'm saying is, who cares? Be, be bolder. It's, yes, it's good that we're adhering to social etiquette, social norms, evolving, changing over time. Absolutely. But also, if you think something's funny and you're not laughing, you're, you're, you're holding in a fart for no reason. I guess is what I'm saying. You're catching a sneeze, which always creeps me out. Let it. A sneeze is not even like a fart. And I know you can combine them. I've heard of <laughs> the innovators who do both at the same time. But I don't, does, this, does this make sense at all? There's no... The pressure to not laugh in a comedy club is imagined. Because you're not going to... No one's ever been canceled for laughing at a joke. I mean, the person who tells a joke may get in trouble. But the, the audience... <clears throat> and you know what? Especially here in the United States, we so clearly don't give a fuck about each other. And this last year has only made that writ large more apparent than ever. Hey, would you guys stop... Hey, law enforcement, would you stop killing us? Please, that's all we're asking. Just let us matter. And then there's a whole group of people saying, fuck you. Fuck you. The cops should be killing you. No, we're not saying. And then the pandemic. Like, just let's be honest. Let's be like Florida. We don't give a shit about each other. That's the way it is. I don't like it. And I'm not going to submit to it. But here's the thing. The people around you in the comedy club don't give a fuck about you. They don't. You read the news. <laughs> <laughs> nobody cares about you so fuck them laugh who gives a shit who cares if that person clutches their pearls 
or thinks you're racist or or thinks you love trans people. Who gives a fuck? Just laugh because this is it. There's no one around you to make you feel bad for farting because they're not real people. And if they are real people, <laughs> they also remember they don't care about you. They don't. I do. I care about you. So I've said numerous times because you listen to this podcast. So that's where I was trying to go with that. I'm trying to, that's, that's, I don't know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Who cares? You're not going to see those people again. You see your coworkers the next day. So I'm not saying like, you know, go crazy at the holiday party. But these are, these are strangers you've brought together who have an opportunity to all individually be themselves in that, in that room. To laugh at what they think is funny. And yes, I know not everybody's going to have the same thing in common or like the same type of humor. But I'm going to flip it around and make it not a negative everybody doesn't care about you. The comedy club is an opportunity for everybody in the audience to just be themselves. Who cares? It's it's an occasion. Maybe, maybe a pretty rare occasion where nobody is judging you. Nobody has gotten in a car... And said, I cannot believe that woman I've never met sitting behind me at a comedy show laughed at that joke that I found so offensive and I'm going to ruin her life. That's never happened. Also, if you are that person who's trying to do that, just stay home. We don't need you. So that's it. It's an opportunity in a comedy club just to be yourself. And to demonstrate that you're as tough as you think you are because you don't care about what these other strangers think of you. And why would you? They don't care about you. You don't know them. They might want to eliminate you. So laugh. (laughs) Smoke a little grass. (laughs) Have a good time. And, yeah, anyway. It's a a, a liberating... It's an opportunity to just be true be yourself be honest been thinking about that why well because people always are talking about you know crowds being tight now or are they not are they not tight anymore because of you know covid and you know people talking about cancel culture and all that's a red herring that doesn't exist and I, i don't know just be yourself have fun and who gives a shit about the people sitting in the sitting around you and you know what? If they're not wearing a mask, they're going to have a good time. <laughs> I also have been vexed or been thinking about this idea. As you know, I am a parent to a much younger child. So I'm, I'm, I'm aware that I hope that my daughter has a lot longer life without me. And she's going to have with me, which, like I've said before, can make me very sad if I stop and dwell on it. And I have two friends, one of whom I've mentioned on here, maybe the other one I've mentioned as well, two female friends who are, they're comedy friends, but but they're actually real friends as well, who lost their dads in their mid to late 20s. Which, if my daughter does that, then I'll have had a long time with her. But it's still going to be sad, because these two women love their dads, and I can tell they're very sad, and... I want to talk to them about it, and I'm not trying to drag you into a big sad thing. The question I've been wrestling with is how much of 
my, and this is, you're going to be like, you fucking hypocrite. How much of my legacy, how much of my footprint do I curate for my daughter? So I, I don't imagine if I'm about to be hit by a bus or I'm on my deathbed that I'm going to say, make sure you delete all those podcasts that I recorded or all those songs I wrote or all those uh well, that's about it. <laughs> that's about all you did. <laughs> a podcast that started in 2020 and a bunch of songs that were written, you know, between 15 and five years ago. I have other things. I have artifacts in my home. I have a record of my existence. But I also have a lot of journals. A lot of, uh, isn't that cute? A lot of free writing. A lot of morning pages or the artist's way or whatever whatever you call it where you you know of just sitting down and writing for 45 minutes in the morning oh, it must be nice to not have a job well i do have a job this is a this was before i had a kid but it's the idea is if you are unfamiliar with the artist pages or the morning pages is to as soon as you get out of bed um, without looking at any phones news spouses, whatever, is just to immediately start writing about anything. And as I understand it, the goal is not to have an intention. It's just to to express, vent, release those thoughts that are in your head. And I have found it <clears throat> very useful, not for necessarily getting material out of it or... I found it useful for a couple of reasons. One is it helps declutter my head. You know, we all wake up thinking about things or going to bed thinking about things. And if you just take 30 to 45 minutes and write, just write about whatever's in your head, walk it around, try to make lift it up in the light, poke holes in it, whatever you do, I find that it declutters my brain a little bit and gives me a little... It reduces my walking around. Anxiety is not the word for it, but just I got a lot of things going on in my head kind of vibe. It takes that down a notch, which allows me then to focus on the things that I really want to be focused on in my life and what remains of it for the rest of the day because I've had this brain dump, essentially. The other thing is, the other advantage I have found in it is that by doing this, you never know where you're going to go. It never knows, you, you, just the way, obviously, my brain is a, a, a little amphetaminic, but you never know where the thought's going to take you, and you might land on some real strong, I don't want to say profound, but maybe profound realization about yourself. I, I mean, I've had a few of them, like I was writing about, you know, something about a way I felt, and then all of a sudden that, you know, why do I feel that way, and, you know, does it make sense, and you start thinking about, well, I was like this when I was a kid, and then you remember this thing that happened in kindergarten, and what that must have done to you, and then does that warrant supporting these other things that you've done all your life? Anyway, it's just interesting to A, declutter your brain, and then B, to learn things about yourself that you you don't necessarily indulge yourself. It's very selfish, but so fucking what? You should take care of yourself. 
you work out, you should also break a mental sweat. As I got to mention Ben Stiller again, as Ben Stiller said in uh, Dodgeball. <laughs> I like to break a mental sweat. So he reads the dictionary. <laughs> or, or I think it's a dictionary. So you take care of yourself by decluttering your brain. And, <clears throat> and you learn stuff about yourself. And I believe the object, not the object, one of the instructions or pieces of guidance for doing the morning pages is that you should write as if no one will ever read it. And what that, what that means for me is you, you don't hold anything back. Whatever you're most insecure, insecure about, you don't hide that. You write about it and you put it in there because that's a way of going through it and processing it and thinking about it and all this other stuff. So that's how I have historically approached that. And as a result, I have a lot of journals, books, uh, cahiers as the word I learned, C-A-H-I-E-R, folios. I have a lot of stuff with my thoughts in them. And what I'm getting to is I don't know if I want my daughter to have access to that. And this is why, like, this is the part where I think you're going to be like, you fucking hypocrite. You, of all things, try to be, you talk about transparency and authenticity and, and let's roll, let's just put our hands up and show we have nothing up our sleeves. Yeah, I'm obsessed with that. It's true. And I will, and I've said numerous times, I want her to know that when someone lets their dog shit on my lawn, that I, lawn, <laughs> collection of weeds that are overrunning it it looks like cloverdale it's incredible the, all right most well, the pollen it's the spring that i you know at times have flipped the dog shit out into the street not proud of that but i i don't want her to i don't want her to be i don't want her to think i'm someone that i'm not well then you should let her read all those journals but that's also so here's the thing that's like they have a lot of you know, insecurity and honesty and pettiness and vanity. It's like, <laughs> it's like this podcast. It's exactly what it is, except, you know, it's in pen. It's written in blue ink. I love blue. I'm a sucker for blue ink. So my instinct is to, historically has been, leave this stuff and let her make sense of it. I, I, I don't even want to say trust her to make sense of it because she, she'll do whatever she wants with it. But leave it to her to know her dad. She won't know. She won't be. She'll know me as she knows me in her life, living, breathing, and about to go upstairs and make a smoothie with her pretty soon. But also all this insecurity or rage or optimism, vanity, what it, hope, whatever it is in these journals. Which, again, is the most complete picture of myself. But also, and this is what I would like to, if, if you have thoughts on this, especially if you've, if you've lost someone and you'd like to know more about and you wish you knew more about them, what I'm trying to get my head around is, do I give her all this other stuff to complicate, not complicate, add complexity to who she will have thought I was, or do I 
throw the journals into the sea, hopefully before I die, and let her know me as she knew me. And I, I like I said, my, my gut reaction is like, here it is. Here's all this stuff. And, and, you know, let her figure it out. She'll know that, well, he didn't feel like that all the time. He felt like it when he was writing in this journal this morning in, you know, 2012 or 15 or whatever it is. And I knew all this other stuff about him through my day-to-day experience. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out, and this is what I need to talk to my friends about, is would you want all this stuff about God knows what? Or do you want to just have your idea of dad as you knew him? Please call into the show and let me know your thoughts. It's I, I want to be clear. I, I'm trying to be clear, at least to myself. I'm not trying to hide anything from her. What I'm trying not to do is be the guy from the grave who like, hey, sorry you're processing or you've gone through this thing. The grave. I'm not going to be in the grave. Unless we move to Ireland. Then we'll get a nice headstone. I'm not... What what I don't want to happen is... I don't want to be that guy from the grave who's like... Hey, hope you had a nice life and now you have a long way to go without me. And uh, now I want you to think all this other stuff too. And complicate that. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Do I do that? And it's not like big secrets it's just the petty insecurities that we all have and that i've worked (laughs) keep working dude (laughs) better get back in the gym i've worked to navigate and try to come out the other side of so do i take her into all the mechanics of that i guess is what i'm asking and if you have any thoughts on that let me know you know how to get in touch you can message me at instagram you can email the podcast at yesjoesmith.com that's not even, yesjoesmith.com is not even a thing. Yesjoesmith at gmail.com is what I meant to say. I'm curious. And also, I was talking with someone the other day. Still welcome your thoughts on what is the third candy bar for the Mount Rushmore of chocolate confections. I state that it's the $100,000 bar or one hundred grand, and Twix. What's the third? We had a long discussion about how it could be Three Musketeers. Truth be told, you could put Milky Way on there. It's no slouch. But it seems like the people, most of the voices that I've, I've heard reach out to me suggest that it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, and I might just have to accept that. Like Republicans could not accept a vote not going their way, so they changed all the laws to make sure black people can't vote, and the people who disagree with them don't have a same access to the polls as everybody else I might have to not say oh I, I'm sorry I, I have to change the rules it can't be Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup because I don't like it I might have to just accept it whoa that's not very American that's not au courant is it that was just a subtle slight political deviation you lose so you change the rules <laughs> You play LeBron James in basketball, and he throttles you. And so you say, okay, now the way basketball is played is uh, people over 5'10 can't play. And then you beat LeBron. Good for you. 
because it's you and I don't know. It's just kind of chicken shit. That's all. And you know it's chicken shit. That's why you do it. That's why everybody, Democrats also redistrict to their favor so they get more people who think like them. But Democrats don't change laws to, uh, as they say, solve a problem that didn't exist. Voter fraud and insecurity and all that horse shit. Uh, Republicans do. That just that's 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 a description. Obviously, the judgment preceded it. But now I'm just saying, Democrats do not change laws to limit access to uh, democracy, to the expression of one person, one vote. Democrats don't. Republicans do. Th- those are the facts. And if you're a Republican who's mad about that, then fucking stop doing it. But let's not pretend like. It's, there's not this equivalence. Well, Democrats do plenty of shit. No joke. But just on this one thing, they're not keeping you from voting. Okay. I thought you said it was going to be a... Yeah, I know. If it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. But let me know, because we're not finished with this, this Mount Rushmore. Clearly, I have a bias toward the chocolate and the caramel entwined. But if Reese's is the candy, I accept that. I will do that. There's also a candy bar that used to exist, may still exist, called Heath Bar. Absolutely delicious. Not sure it belongs all the way up there because it it can be a little tough on the teeth. But Heath Bar, that's my sweet spot, is that chocolate and caramel combination. What's, What's the other one? Caramellos? involved didn't we talk about rollos as well previously caramellos rollos all those we have a we have a bag of rollos in the house and if we didn't say it before i'm going to say it right now the issue with rollos is they're all individually wrapped at least the ones that i have are people at Rolo are like dude (laughs) we're fucking rollo Why don't you go buy a tube of Rolos and open them up and see that they're not all individually wrapped? <laughs> also, fuck you, Rolo. You tools named it Rolo. <laughs> you ever have a word that just strikes you as so ridiculous? What are we going to call it? Rolo. <laughs> R-O. No, no, no. Hear me out on this. It's, <laughs> it's called R-O-L-O. Rolo. All right, what's the origin of that? I don't know. The guy who made it was Italian. <laughs> what are you doing, Rolo? So, Rolo, I don't know if they still have it. They used to have a, their, you can roll a Rolo, was their <laughs> creative. And you know what? It worked because it's still with me 40 years later. You can roll a Rolo to your whoever, your bay. You can roll a Rolo. There's no way that they came up with, there's no way they named it because you can roll it to your friend. That sounds, you know, it sounds like actually it's just creative marketing, right? The marketing department is like, here, here you go. The marketing department's like, all right, we work for this candy company and what are we going to do today? And lo and behold, the business people come in and say, well, here's the new product. It's called Rolo. What are you going to do with it? <laughs> like, what does that name mean? As like uh, it was named after you know the girlfriend of the chocolate scientist that we employed 
in Perugia, Italy to get it together. Okay. So do you think he can do something with it? Like, well, it's a pretty dumb name, Rolo. <laughs> it has no precedence in English to, to this podcast host's knowledge. But you know what? Let's think about it. And lo and behold, lightning strikes in the marketing department or the advertising agency that Rolo hired. You know what? Somebody just was like, it's a dumb name. We all agree about that. Rolo. But it's it's one of those weird names that it's been in the vernacular so long that it doesn't even seem strange, right? Rolo. It, it is what it is. It's a Rolo. And then the advertising agency is like, what do you think about, you can, hear me out on this one. It's going to be a bit, I'll walk you through the concept, the POC, the proof of concept here is you can, the candy's called Rolo, right guys? You can roll a Rolo. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my gosh, here's $20 trillion. But you know what? It worked because like I said, all these years later, I still remember that was the Rolo jingle. It's insidious how that, that those jingles get in your head. Not in, I mean, it's insidious if you are a prick, but it's amazing how you can remember commercial jingles from when you were a kid. My wife and I grew up in Southern California, so we still can think of Cal Worthington, uh, that the cow, go see Cal, go see Cal. He's a great car salesman, and there's no way he's still alive. Go see Cal. Ventura Boulevard. Bellflower Boulevard, Ventura. I I can't remember, but anybody who grew up in SoCal in a certain era decades ago will remember Cal Worthington and his dog Spot. And you know what? Cal Worthington would, he'd always be with his dog Spot. I think that was a running joke. And for me... Cal was one of the vanguard at the vanguard of idiotic but memorable car dealer commercials. He's probably a legend that they teach in car dealership owning marketing 101. But he'd say like they would say go see Cal, go see Cal, go see Cal. And and here's Cal and his dog Spot. And he'd be like, hey, I'm Cal Worthington, and, uh, you know, I might have had a couple belts this morning, but I'm moving some Chevys off the lot. And the joke, I think, was, and his his dog Spot, and it was always like some exotic animal. <laughs> he had a leopard, I remember. And for all I know, he had a giraffe. <laughs> God. When I grew up, it was a different time, man. You could, it was just different. <laughs> I'll have to talk about it some other time. We had like what was called Lion Country Safari, where I think, some guy just got a bunch of wild animals, I'm sure illegally, and then put them in the space between San Diego and L.A. and just allowed people to drive their cars around them. <laughs> There's nobody like, and this is the native emu from blah, 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 and his habitat is normally like this. Just like a bunch of wild, it was like, it was like a less responsible and less ambitious version of Jurassic Park. It was just like some animals we had access to. Let's put them out in a field and charge people money to go see them. Google that. Lion Country Safari. That's what it was called. And also, 
Google Cal Worthington and his dog Spot. And I swear, I was like, oh no, there's Cal. There's no dog there. There is an elephant. <laughs> and PETA, this was before PETA, because PETA would be losing its marbles. Anyway, uh, roll a rollo to your pals or whoever you're supposed to roll them to. It could even be roll a rollo to your chum to give you an idea of how dated it it was. Uh, Rolos. Let me know if you have any further thoughts on the Mount Rushmore of candy. For me, as I've said, it's Twix. It's 100 grand. And if you say it's Reese's, I will hear you and I am not going to change the voting rules. There are, well, you know what, There, I could now do a little nitpicking. There really are only two ingredients, and I, I would like a third, but if you say it's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, I'm, I'm, I'll give it to you, and I'll get some this weekend. Speaking of the weekend, have a great weekend wherever you are, and if you listen to this in the future and it's not the weekend, have a great day, and remember, other people don't really give a shit uh, about you, so why should you care if you laugh in a comedy club? That sounds more cynical, but you know what I mean. People do. All right. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you next time.